All right, um, so let's get started with discipleship class uh, number 22. I'm glad you're here. See some new faces tonight, so welcome. Amen. Uh, you have missed a lot of stuff, obviously, if this is your first class. Um, but it's not about what you've missed, it's about what's uh, available for you uh, to gain uh, tonight. Amen. And so we'll try to at least do a little bit of review after we pray uh, to bring uh, you up to speed. Um, I don't want to give any names, they know who they are, but I received a text message right before uh, we started tonight. We got some folks joining us from the great state of Hawaii, amen, uh, online, and so we, uh, we welcome those folks. I don't know what time it is over there, you don't have to look it up, but uh, obviously it's not 5 o'clock in, uh, in the afternoon there, so, um, but uh, anyway, we welcome uh, them and, uh, and other folks that are uh, uh, joining us online, either live or later uh, by recording or podcast. Amen. All right, well, let's pray and, uh, and we'll dive right in. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for your wisdom. And thank you, Father, that you're not selfish. And you're not, you're not selfish about anything, especially, Lord, you're not selfish when it comes to your wisdom. You want us to know what you know. You want to teach us, Father, uh, your ways. Uh, you want to reveal to us uh, what you know and what you understand about the different things that we are facing in our lives and, uh, and beyond even, Lord, the, those personal things that we may be dealing with into the greater scope, Father, of our purpose and our destiny. Lord, thank you tonight for every person that's here. Thank you for those that are joining us online. I thank you, Father, for their faithfulness, their commitment, Lord, I pray especially for those who this may be their first discipleship class uh, with us. I thank you, Father, for just by your Holy Spirit helping them fall right in, Lord, and just, uh, uh, just, just catch the rhythm and the pace and be tremendously blessed by what they hear and receive from you tonight and from your word. Father, we acknowledge the Holy Spirit as our teacher. We submit and humble ourselves before him. I ask that you think through my mind, speak through my lips. May my spirit, soul, and body become a portal through which your wisdom can pass from eternity into time and space. I pray, Father, tonight, Lord, that we would not just receive information, but that we would receive revelation and ultimately, Father, impartation, that we would carry some things with us out of this room that we didn't have when we came in here. And we thank you for it, and we call it so, releasing our faith, believing we receive it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen, Amen, Amen. All right. So, uh, obviously, this is class uh, number 22, and we're in a section right now that we call three questions, and uh, the three questions are, what am I, who am I, why am I, and they deal with your origin, your identity, and your purpose, okay? These are some of the most basic and fundamental things of life that we could ever know or understand. Some of you are in the morning classes that I have the privilege of teaching at the Foundry, and we were talking this morning about, you know, there's something, you know, that's here that I want to explain, but there's, you know, in order to explain that, you've got to explain this, and in order to explain that, you've got to explain this, and, and next thing you know, you're back at Genesis 1 all over again. Amen. And so, um, in Genesis, of course, this is where we see our origin, and we see throughout the Word of God that Father has revealed to us um, what we are. The psalmist said, what is man? Not not who am I, but what am I? And what we've learned is that we have to answer these questions in this particular order. In other words, you'll never know who you are until you know what you are. 
You'll never understand why you are your purpose until you know your true identity. Identity actually unlocks purpose. Jesus never revealed his purpose until his identity was revealed. But as, as his identity was revealed, he immediately then began to explain his purpose. Without an understanding of your identity, your purpose will always seem too big for you. It'll always seem like God's talking about somebody, but not you. Okay? But the more you begin to understand who you are in Him, it creates a foundation then for you to be, begin to, uh, to understand, receive. Uh, you know, when, when Father God first began to tell uh, Abraham and Sarah their purpose, their destiny, what He was going to do for them, in them, and through them, it seems so far beyond them that they literally laughed in God's face. Okay? Um, but of course we see that as they grew in faith, as they, as they learned, as, as they established, God established a covenant with them and these various things took place, that they you know, went from not seeing how it could ever be to not seeing it any other way. Amen. And so as we invest the necessary time to thoroughly answer this fundamental foundational question, It'll go a long way towards, uh, you know, helping us very quickly, very easily understand um, these other things. Again, not just my opinion. We're not here to know what, you know, Pastor Mark thinks about it. We want to know what the Word of the Lord says about it. What does the Word say? Amen. And so that's why we cover so many verses, and we'll be putting so many verses up on the screen, all right? So, in the course of answering this question, what is man? We've said that man is a God-class being. We've said that man is a spirit being. We've said that man is the legal authority on earth. And now we're covering number four, that man is a being created in the image and likeness of God. Man is a being created in the image and likeness of God. Now, image and likeness, as I've uh, just repeated over and over again, it means that we were created to look like God looks, but it also means that we were created to function the way He functions. Okay? Um, for instance, one translation of, of man became a living soul or a living being uh, is that man became a speaking spirit. Okay? So, to understand our origin, right? Uh, to understand you know, what it is that God created us to be. He created us as a, a being in His image and in His likeness. Now, because we were created to function the way God functions, we possess, and I know that this kind of rolls out of my mouth uh, rather quickly, okay? So I want to try to slow down here, you know, water this, uh, if it's already been planted in your heart, uh, or if it hasn't been planted yet, new to the class, we want to plant it for the first time. But we've said that because we were created in the image and likeness of God, we possess certain characteristics, certain abilities, certain attributes, things that are true about you that are not true about any other created living uh, thing. Okay? And these characteristics and attributes um, are very powerful. That's what we've tried to emphasize. They're very powerful. And they will either work for you or against you. And we said that the enemy wants to take what you are and use it against you, right? He wants to take what God made you to be and take advantage of ignorance that we may have in this area and use these very powerful forces, these very powerful abilities, characteristics, attributes 
to use those things against you so that they do not uh, further the plans and purposes of God for your life, but they actually become detrimental, harmful uh, to your life. Okay. Now, we said last week that these things are hiding in plain sight. And what we mean by that is um, every one of these characteristics that we're going to look at, and, and we're not going to try to cover an exhaustive list, just want to give you some idea of, of the, the big ones. Okay, But these characteristics are things that fold seamlessly into your life. In other words, these are things that you've done all day today. These are things that, that have been a part of, of, of your life and, and, and the unfolding of your life today, whether you've ever recognized or understood that or not. So because these things are so common, we often fail to recognize how powerful they are and the influence that they have over our life, the success or failure of our life, the, the quality or lack of quality of life that we experience and enjoy. All right. Now, full disclosure, I said last week, because the Bible has so much to say about this, right? And, and how could it not, if the Bible is a book about, you know, God's redemption plan for us and, and, and again explaining God's ways to us and God's ways of life and living to us. Um, if that's what the Bible is, and that certainly is you know, what it is, then how could the Bible not have a lot to say about these things? Right? Um, and so this part in the uh, 36 classes is where I have a tendency to get for lack of a better expression, get bogged down. Because, number one, I understand at least to some extent how important these things are. And, and, and then the, the, the Bible has so much to say about it. Uh, it's very easy to spend week after week after week after week um, just going over these things. All right? I do not feel led to do that this week. So, um, if things work as I think they will, I mean, we're going to be close to the end of this part anyway, by the end of tonight. Now that's almost a statement of, it's not almost, it's a statement of faith more than it is. Um, in other words, I'm asking the Lord to help me do that. Praise God. So let me give you these five abilities, characteristics, attributes. And we've already talked about a few of them. Again, we'll just mention some high points as we work our way through. Man is a being with the ability to think, reason, and form opinions. Think, reason, form opinions right number two man is a being with the ability to agree again hiding in plain sight but what you agree with who you agree with what you agree to amen all of these things are very powerful because what, what we see uh, that ag agreement does let, let me just i don't even think we looked at this verse again it's another one of those verses that you know so many in the scriptures um, the Bible says that one can put a thousand to flight, two can put two thousand to flight. Is that what it says? Ten thousand. See again, this is this is showing us the 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 compounding, dynamic, interactive right uh, the force of of agreement. It's something called synergy, and and so when people come together in agreement, it creates synergy which multiplies exponentially either the good or the harm that agreement uh, will do. And again, just on a very simple way, 
to help you connect with what I'm talking about, think of things that you've done positively in your life that you may not have done positively in your life if you had not been in partnership, fellowship, agreement with other people, another person or group of people. And then the opposite of that is also true. Um, probably some of the uh, worst things you know, that, that, that we wish we could go back and do over, uh, it was a, a part of agreeing with a group of people that were headed in a direction that we're no longer headed in. Amen? All right. So let me just also make the, make the point when I say the Bible has so much to say about these things, therefore we could spend a long time studying these things. Just take this first one. Think about all the Bible has to say about our thoughts, about the way we reason and, and the way we understand. We said reasoning has to do with understanding how we process information and then the opinions that, that we form. Um, and this is not just something you find in the New Testament. You find in the Old Testament, um, Psalms, if you study the Proverbs, uh, it's just, it is just chock full of these things. Amen. And so to take time to look at every verse uh, is, 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 you know, would literally take class after class after class. And so there's other things that um, you know, I really feel led that we need to get to uh, before uh, May rolls around and, and, and these you know, classes come to an end for this year. So, number one, man's ability, man is a being with the ability to think, reason, and form opinions. Number two, um, we have the ability to agree. Number three, and this is, we started this one last week, we'll, we'll work on it uh, tonight and move to the other ones. But you have the ability to believe. You have the ability to believe. Number four, you have the ability to experience and express emotions. You have the ability to experience and express emotions. And then number five, you have the ability to speak. You have the ability to speak. Now, in the course again of our study, for those of you who are new to this, we said that, that these five uh, attributes, characteristics, abilities, that they are both dynamic and interactive. Dynamic means they're always at work, but, that they're, that, but also that they are an underlying, underlying means not, not readily recognized uh, cause for change. They are an underlying cause for change, right? So if you're interested in change in your life, that ought to perk your heart up right there, okay? As, a, as students of change, as men and women becoming equipped to help other people change, right? Then this should be an area where we really, uh, you know, want to, learn more and, and understand more. Praise God. So dynamic means that they're always uh, uh, at work. Okay? Um, in other words, there's no downtime. Um, and unfortunately, um, negative words are just as powerful in a negative way as good words are, <laughs> positive words are in a positive way. Right? Um, it's, it's amazing how, and I've, I've, I've seen this in my own life, and I've seen it in the lives of other people, we want the, you know, the good thoughts you know, to count quadruple, and the bad thoughts to not think at all. I mean, to not you know, count at all uh, as we think those bad thoughts. But obviously, that's not how this works. And so, um, they are dynamic, and then they're interactive. Uh, meaning, we look at them you know, as individual uh, topics, but you know how we think 
And the, the opinions that we form influences the things that we agree with and vice versa. Our agreements uh, are a part of our thinking and reasoning and, and the opinions that we form. These things, of course, we said last week that our thoughts become the raw materials that eventually become our beliefs. Our beliefs are built from uh, the things that we, that we think. Um, then you, you compound into that uh, soup, <laughs> you know, our ability to experience and express emotions. So if our thoughts and thinking and, and our understanding is one of a negative mindset and attitude, then obviously that's going uh, to you know, compound and, and influence the emotions that, that we uh, experience and express in life. And then the big one, of course, and if you almost look at these things as you know, coming to a head, you know, the tip of the spear um, is, is involved in the words that we speak. Okay? But when we look at that here in just a few minutes, um, this, this one right here is so powerful, right? Uh, but it's, it's powerful because all of these are powerful and they contribute um, to the power of our words. Yes, are you still with me? Am I, losing? I don't want to lose you now. This is really, really important. Just trying to do some review and teaching at the same time uh, while we get everybody on um, the same page tonight. So, um, praise God. How powerful are these things? As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Okay, I mean, that's pretty powerful, right? Um, to agree as touching anything on earth, it shall be done for them by my Father in heaven. That's Jesus speaking. Old Testament, we see that the people came together in agreement to build a tower to the heavens. God was not involved in that project. This was not something He told them to do. He came in and confused their speech. God speaking, He said in that moment, He said... The people have come together as one. They're in agreement. They're all saying the same thing. They're all working together uh, for the same purpose. And he said nothing will be withheld from them that they set out to do. That's how powerful agreement is. How about believe? Jesus said things like this. All things are possible to him who believes. I mean, Again, it's, it doesn't get any more uh, potential uh, for power you know, than all things are possible to him who believes. Nothing shall be impossible to him who um, believes. Faith is the victory. Faith being an extension of our ability to believe. Um, faith is the victory that overcomes this world, 1 John 5. So when we start talking about these, these characteristics, attributes, again, they are extremely important and extremely powerful. So let's, um, I believe we, we, we jumped off 1 Corinthians 13, 13 last week. Amen? 1 Corinthians 13, 13 last week. So let's, um, let's go back there. It says, now, And now abide faith, hope, love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. Now abide faith, hope, love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. Now for those of you who are new, again, I probably should have said this as well, that the correlation, at least the way I'm teaching it, now it, I'm just trying to help you understand the, the, the roots of these things. All right? Um, and so when we talk about our ability to believe, I distinguish faith from our ability to believe in the sense that, that, that faith is by hearing and hearing the Word of God. In, in other words, faith is believing something God has said. And, and it differs from you know, believing that chair will support you before you sit down in it. 
you know, one is, 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 is natural and, and basic and, and ties in with reason and these kinds of things. Um, faith is, is spiritual and, and is, is divine and, and connects with not natural but supernatural, not opinions of men, but thus saith the Word of God. All right? Now, <clears throat> amen. So, something the Lord showed me several years ago, we talk about it in the book, Becoming a Threat to Addiction. Think of this as the foundation for the, for the, God, for the life that God created you to live. Faith, hope, and love. And, um, and understand that most people on planet Earth are not living a life based upon faith, hope, and love, but instead they're living on a foundation of fear, regret, and selfishness. So in this, what we're looking at here, the opposite of faith being fear, we'll spend some time on that in just a moment, the opposite of hope being regret. Okay, Hope is a confident expectation for some future good. Okay, Regret is not looking forward, but looking backwards, wishing we could do something different with an opportunity we no longer have. Right? Now, the problem with regret is, is it's not that, it's not that um, hopeless people have no expectations. Hopeless people only expect negative things in the future because of past regrets. In other words, it goes something like this. We look back on the, the pattern and the, and the mistakes that have led us up until this point, and we tend to project those forward. In other words, we see a history of whatever, you know, rejection. You know, bye, 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 bye. And so, you know, if we're not careful, regret, looking back, will project regret forward in the sense that we just expect to keep on being rejected. And, and again, that's true of any, you know, addiction, what have you, okay? So, now about faith, hope, love. I know it's easy to say the opposite of love is hate, okay? But I think we ought to, again, make it a little more personal here. The opposite of love is selfishness. Selfishness, okay? And um, so I define faith as the ability to see beyond this created realm. It's one of the ways I define faith. The ability to see beyond this created realm. I define hope as the ability to see beyond what you're going through right now. And I define love as the ability to see beyond yourself, okay? And so if you can't see beyond yourself, you'll never see beyond what you're going through right now. If you can't see beyond what you're going through right now, you'll never see beyond this created realm. You see how this works. That's why the greatest of these is love. The greatest of these is love. It's not to say uh, or diminish, you know, to say that faith and hope aren't important or to diminish their importance. It's to elevate the importance of love, right? Now, I would and, of course, have been on Wednesday nights in the main service preaching and teaching on the subject of faith. It's one of my absolute favorite subjects to teach on, okay? For a lot of reasons, but one of the main reasons is because without faith it's impossible to please God. So as you grow, as I grow in faith, we're growing in our ability to do a lot of things. The most important one is we're growing in our ability to please God. Amen. Um, the other reason I, I love to teach on faith is because, again, faith is the victory that overcomes this world. And if, if we can learn how to live more and more by faith and less and less by sight, then, you know, we're going we're gonna to experience more and more victory and breakthrough in our lives. Remember, faith receives what grace has already given. 
And, you know, Father has given you everything that pertains to life and godliness. But the one thing that he, he's, he's not going to do for you is he, is he can't do for you is he can't receive for you. You have to receive what he's given to you. And you don't receive it by, you know, trying to impress him or put him in your debt. You receive it by faith. By faith. Amen? Yes? So again, I love, I love to teach on these things. Love to, to talk about these things. But again, as, as we really kind of break this down more for understanding than detailed and specific uh, information, um, I want to I talk to you about, because uh, we're talking about our ability to believe, and we've said, I'm going to say it again, we've already said that the devil is trying to use what you are against you. He's trying to take these very powerful characteristics, attributes, and abilities that you possess because you were created in the image and likeness of God. He's trying to take advantage of your ignorance and misunderstanding and, 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 and wrong thinking about these things and use these things against you. All right? Use these things against you. You ever felt like you were your own worst enemy? Okay? Amen. Listen, I am convinced the devil is not the biggest threat to your future, to my future, okay? You are the biggest threat to your future. I am the biggest threat to my future. Amen. And so, you know, ignorance on our part creates an advantage on the devil's part. And he takes advantage of people's ignorance where these things are concerned and, and again, uses these things against them. So let's take the ability to believe. How does the devil use your ability to believe against you? Well, I'm offering to you tonight that fear in your life, fear in your life is the devil using your ability to believe against you. All right? Matter of fact, I'm going to put it on the screen. Fear is your ability to believe working against you. Fear is your ability to believe working against you. All right? One more time. Fear is your ability to believe working against you. Now let me, let me explain what I mean by that. Okay? If you are afraid of a snake, it is because you believe the snake has power to hurt you. Okay? Alright? Well, not all snakes do. Right? But it, it, you know, it doesn't matter if the snake is poisonous or non-poisonous. It doesn't matter if it's a you know, green snake, garden snake, chicken snake, whatever, right? Um, if you believe the snake has the ability to hurt you, right? Even if it doesn't, notice your belief will cause you to fear it or to be afraid of it. Okay? Right? You with me? Right? See, like people say, you know, I'm afraid of heights. No, you're not really afraid of heights. You're, you're afraid of falling. Right? And the sudden stop at the end, right? I'm, I'm, afraid, of, I'm afraid to fly, Pastor Martin. You're not afraid to fly. You're afraid to crash. You see, you see the difference here, right? Okay, so fear is your ability to believe working against you. Right? And notice, if you believe a snake has the power to hurt you, that belief will be reflected in your actions whether the snake has the power to hurt you or not. Alright? So, notice now, this means anything you fear, you're giving authority, power, and influence over you. Alright? Now, let's build on this a little more. Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2. And let's go to verse number 14. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse number 14. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus.
Amen. Never again, though, sister. You'll never be bitten again in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right. <laughs> All right. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. I want to take, give me a minute. I'm going to show you something that's important here, okay? All right. Got to build it for a second, though. Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Okay, anybody want to take a guess at who this verse is talking about? It's talking about Jesus. It's talking about obviously Him defeating um, Satan who had the power of death. Okay, so been telling the class, the morning class this week, again, that Jesus became a man. Right, And so notice, in the same way that we partook of flesh and blood, He also has partaken of flesh and blood. He shared in the same. That through death, He might destroy him who had the power of death. Remember, Jesus took back from the devil the keys of death, hell, and the grave. Right? Jesus has those keys. Jesus has that power now, not the devil. Right? And He did this again... Not because death or the grave was a threat to him, but he did it because death and the grave was a threat to you and me. It was God's enemy, but it, the only reason it was God's enemy is because it was our enemy, right? Are you following what I'm saying here? De death, death, Je the Bible says, we looked at this, I think, Sunday night, that Jesus is going to rule until the last enemy is put under his feet, not under his chin. He's the head of the body, okay? Death never was a threat to him. It was a threat to you and me. And so he came to destroy him who had the power of death to do what? Notice there's a comma at the end of verse 14. Verse 15 begins with a lowercase and, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Okay? Subject to bondage. Now, what does it mean to be subject to? To bondage. First of all, this word bondage, remember, you won't necessarily find the word addiction in the Bible, but when it's referring to someone who is bound, it's talking about someone who uh, is under the control of something that, that has them uh, you know, in a place where they can't function uh, as, as God created them to function. They can't, they're not free uh, to... Um, you know, live the life that God created them to live. People who were enslaved were often, you know, referred to as people who were in bondage, right? So anytime you're studying uh, the Scriptures and you see where, you know, slavery and, and bondage are being talked about, the opposite of freedom, you, you need to perk your ears up because there's some very important and practical things for us to understand there in our ministry to other people who are struggling in various areas of, of addiction or where, let's just say, lack of freedom uh, in their lives. Okay, So notice that he says, the, the Scriptures say, fear of death caused them to be or were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Now, the word subject means to be, big word like man, as you ready, predisposed to. Let me simplify predisposed to. 
It means to be inclined to or lean in the direction of. Alright? So, you, you understand, you know, we, we sometimes have a tendency to, to lean one direction or the other. Um, a, you know, Kuhl's uh, account in the book of Acts where the Apostle Paul was preaching, he preached on into the night, and um, there's a young man sitting in the window, and he fell asleep, but because he was leaning out, he fell out of the window to his death. If he had been leaning in, he would have just fell into the floor and embarrassed himself a little bit, um, but obviously gotten back up and, and moved on. Of course, Paul went and raised him from the dead, and he went on with his, with his life, all right? Now, so notice, though, it, which direction are we leaning? And a fear of death causes us to, to be predisposed to um, a lack of freedom, to a life of bondage, to a life of addiction. Are you picking up what I'm putting down? This is, again, really important stuff here. All right. So, let me say it another way. As long as there is fear, there is a crack in the door that leads to relapse. All right. Now, Romans chapter 8 and verse number 15. Romans 8 and 15. Um, and I want you to see Hebrews 2, 14 and 15, um, and Hebrews, I'm sorry, Romans 8 and 15, so Hebrews 2, 14 and 15, and then the one we're turning to now, Romans 8 and 15, I want you to see these two verses, and, and, and I'm praying that the Holy Spirit will help you make a connection between them, alright? Now, he, uh, Romans chapter 8 and verse 15, I'll put it on the screen. It says, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Right? So again, you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. Think of spirit here, and listen, I believe in demonic spirits. No one misunderstand me, please. Okay? If you go out of here saying Pastor Mark said there's no demonic spirits, you've misunderstood me and you're misquoting me. There are absolutely demonic spirits, okay? And we have authority over them. I don't tell you that to scare you, and I think most of you in here know that already, all right? But a lot of times when we read these spirit of bondage, again, to fear, or, um, you know, like for instance, the Bible also talks about a spirit of faith, okay? We tend to only think in terms of something spiritual or like a spirit, okay? But this also has impact or influence on another dimension of our existence, that being the part of us the Bible calls our soul, okay? So one way to, and we'll dig into this more when we get into spirit, soul, and body, but if my father's a Marine, we've got other Marines that uh, uh, attend this church. Anybody in here tonight a Marine? Okay, yeah, thank you, men, thank you, okay? So the Marine Corps, they have something called esprit de corps, esprit de corps, and that means the spirit of the corps. Okay? That's, that's not a demonic spirit, it's not an angelic spirit. It's talking about the attitude with which a Marine carries himself or herself. You follow me? Esprit de corps. All right? Spirit of the corps. All right? So when he says we did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, he's not just talking about a literal spirit. Okay. Certainly, again, there are demonic spirits that, that produce bondage and, and we need you know, deliverance and these things from. 
Absolutely. But also we see that there's a mindset. Are you following what I'm saying? There's a mindset. There's an attitude of fear. There's an attitude of fearfully you know, looking at life and, 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 and living our lives. And he's saying, hey, that's, that's not the spirit you received. Therefore, it's not the attitude or the mindset that you should have, but you receive the Spirit, capital S, this is talking about the Holy Spirit, you receive the Spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. So as born again men and women, the Holy Spirit of God now resides within us, and the Holy Spirit of God inside of us enables us now and our born again spirit to cry out to God and call Him Daddy, call Him Abba, call Him Father. Amen. Now, Let's look at this first part again, though, very closely. You did not receive a spirit of bondage, spirit of addiction, right, to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. So, if we take 8 and 15 from Romans and 2, 14 and 15 from Hebrews, we can see a pattern developing that is a self-sustaining pattern. This may be the most important thing I have the opportunity to say to you during this class. So I really want you to see this, and, and if, you, if it's not clear, please ask questions. All right? but, but just, again, bring your hearts to attention. Holy Spirit, thank you for helping us. All right? When we talk about a self-sustaining cycle or a self-sustaining pattern, right? Um, and I meant to collectively speak against um, uh, there is a threat of bad weather tonight, okay? But we are not threatened because we don't have a spirit of bondage again to fear. But our confidence is in our Abba Father to protect us as His precious children. Amen? And so in Jesus' name, we speak against foul, destructive weather patterns. We command them to cease and desist. And Father, I thank You that our properties, our families, uh, our lives, uh, our uh, everything, Father, from our grill covers and garbage cans to, to our trees and shrubs and flower pots, Lord, I thank You every bit of that's protected in Jesus' name. We release our faith and we call it so. It's following the example of Jesus that You set for us. And we pray it in Your name and we say what? Amen. Alright. So, when we, when we see here that we did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. So notice here that this one is connecting fear and bondage. Fear and addiction. And Hebrews 2 is connecting them as well. Right? So again, let's go back to the self-sustaining cycle because what sparked me to speak to the weather, amen, was um, that's basically what a tornado is. It's when two forces um, try to occupy the same geographical location at the same time. Basically, a cold front and a warm front. Amen. And they collide and begin to fight one another uh, because you know the, the, the cold air is trying to rise, the warm air is trying to drop, and they, they, they fight and they push. And, and next thing you know, they begin to feed off of one another and create... A tornado starts horizontally, and then because it creates, uh, you know, this tunnel, that tunnel then uh, cre it creates suction 
and it draws itself to the ground. And that's when it turns upright. Okay? So again, what gives these tornadoes such destructive power is you know, two different forces coming together that initially are fighting against one another, okay? um, but then evolve into, or we should say devolve into, uh, actually uh, feeding off of one another, and they continue uh, you know, uh, to, to do that until they run their course. All right? You follow what I'm saying? So what we see here then is that fear and addiction have something to do with one another. Let's just start there, alright? And notice the first thing we see is that uh, a fear of death, and I'll explain fear of death here in just a moment, but fear of death is the, is the granddaddy of, of all fear. Okay, Like I said, you're not fear, afraid of flying, you're not afraid of heights, you're afraid of crashing, you're afraid of falling, that sudden stop at the end of the fall, right? Okay, um, So, fear predisposes us, it, it causes us to lean in the direction of, of bondage, in the direction of addiction. Are, are you seeing this? Okay. But then we see that the, the, the bondage, you know, as, as we start leaning in that direction, it actually increases the fear. Okay? And so then, praise God, there's so much here I want you to see. So, the deeper we go into the uh, bondage, the more fear that we have. This is getting out of control. I can't stop this. Um, people are going to find out. It's just the fears and the, and the paranoia. Come on now. You, you understand what I'm saying here? There's a lot of fear associated uh, with addiction. But what we don't understand is that, is that these two are actually fueling one another. Now, again, I'm probably not doing the best job of explaining this, but what I want you to see though tonight is that people try to break the vicious cycle of addiction by breaking the bondage side of the equation without ever addressing the fear side of the equation. In other words, they want to try to stop a destructive pattern of behavior in their lives but never have it explained to them that fear is where it all began in the first place. Fear is what caused you to lean in the direction of life-controlling substances in the first place. And part of that has to do with, again, maybe I need to slow down for a moment and spend some more time with this, but the Bible clearly says that fear has torment. Fear puts us in a state of discomfort, in a state of, of, of dissatisfaction, right? And so... Notice we then start trying to you know, find ways to cope with that and deal with that. And next thing you know, we're, 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 we're using substances that, <laughs> amen, uh, either legal. Listen to me, I'm not trying to hurt your feelings, right? Um, Jesus bled to death naked on the cross to set us free from our fear. Anxiety is just a fancy word for fear. Worry is just a fancy word for fear. Stress. Right? All of these things are, are different forms of variations of F-E-A-R. Amen. So when we have these things in our lives, we're predisposed right, to addiction. We're predisposed to these kinds of behaviors. And then 
Those behaviors create more fear, which creates uh, more predisposition to addiction, which creates more fear, which creates more predisposition to addiction. I had to say that five times real fast, right? And, and so next thing you know, you've got this self-sustaining cycle in your life. And the classic mistake is, I've got to stop this addiction without ever understanding what caused us to lean in the direction of addiction in the first place, which was fear. Fear. I'll say it this way. Any recovery program that doesn't deal with fear, right, is setting people up to fail. Because it leaves the door cracked open that leads to relapse. Okay? And so again, why is fear so powerful? It taps into this power that we have of believing. Let me give you a few more verses here if I could right quick. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Amen. If you don't have that verse marked in your Bible, I'm going to encourage you to mark it. If you don't have that verse memorized, I'm going to encourage you to memorize it. When the enemy came against Jesus, Jesus didn't stomp his foot and clap his hands real hard and tell him to get. He spoke the Word to him. The Word of God is the sword of the Spirit. It is the only offensive weapon we have to use against the enemy. And it's the only one we have because it's the only one we need. And when, the, and when Satan came against Jesus, Jesus fought him with the Word of God. So the reason I'm encouraging you to mark this verse, memorize this verse, this is one of the key verses you need to use when the enemy is coming against you with fear and, and, and stress and anxiety. We need to recognize that this is Him trying to hijack and take advantage of our ability to believe and use it against us. And we need to say out of our mouths, God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Okay? And then Romans 8 and 15, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. Notice again, that's that, that cycle that we were talking about. Okay? So 2 Timothy 1.7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Amen. Alright, now listen. Let me settle down here for just a second. Praise God. Take a deep breath. Um, you, you, you cannot, you cannot tolerate fear in your life. You just, you just can't do it. In other words, it's, it is so destructive. If you, if you read in the Gospels, you'll see that, um, let's use Peter, he got out of the boat, he walked on water, he took his eyes off Jesus, he began to sink, Jesus saved him, they came back to the boat, and Jesus gave him a gold star. And Jesus said, you are the number one disciple for the day. No, Jesus rebuked him. Jesus corrected him. Jesus pointed out his unbelief. 
Now, on the surface, you know, especially if you're kind of, you know, sensitive, what's the, what's the, um, the more recent terminology that's developed in our culture? Snowflake, right? Listen, snowflakes wouldn't have made it around Jesus, right? Because he, he, Jesus was, you know, he was to the point. But think about this, though, for a moment. We see Jesus reacting to fear and unbelief in a way that we may consider over the top, in a way that we may think of as being extreme. You know, it's almost like you want to go coddle Peter, and it's like, look, dude, I'm, Jesus may not have been impressed, but I'm impressed, dude. You know, it's almost like you want to go and, 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 and pat him on the back, right? But listen, if you understand that God is love, if you understand the compassion of Jesus, then perhaps His reaction is the one we need to pay attention to. In other words, maybe He recognizes the rat poison of fear and unbelief for what it really is. In other words, obviously Jesus is not overreacting. Maybe we don't understand or take fear and unbelief seriously enough. Where Jesus, man, He like, anytime it interfered or affected them in some way, He pointed out, He called it out, and He took authority over it. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Need somebody that will be truthful with us. Um, you know, the Bible clearly says that um, I can spot a splinter in your eye all the way across the room with a telephone pole sticking out of the side of my head and me not even know that it's there. Right? We, we have this tendency to be able to see things in other people's lives, but are blinded to them in our own. Right? Amen. Yes, brother. An open rebuke is better than love concealed. Amen. Because again, it's not... Jesus loved these men. He loves you and me. But I think sometimes we, we look at that and, and we think, man, Jesus, you're coming on a little strong there. I, I, I bet He might say I'm not coming on strong enough. Because we don't... We don't really maybe have our thoughts in alignment and agreement with his thoughts as to how destructive um, you know, this really is. Brother Copeland says it this way. He says, fear tolerated is faith contaminated. Fear tolerated is faith contaminated. And so, you know, this idea that we're not doing our jobs if we're not worrying as parents, man, that's a lie. That's a lie from the enemy. Okay? And especially when we understand that the protection that belongs to us under this new covenant that, that, that is a part of the blessing of Abraham upon our lives is not activated and enforced by karma, but by faith. So do you see why the enemy is trying so hard to poke holes in the shield of faith, right? How he's trying, and how does he poke those holes in that shield of faith? By worry and fear and, 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 and anxiety and stress and, and, and all these things. Right? So again, we, you know, if we only try to interrupt 
the vicious cycle in the you know in the in the addiction side of it and never deal with the fear um, we are setting ourselves up to fail all right here's here's another one let's go through this and I'll again we could teach for weeks on these things that's part of why I'm I'm just a tad uh, discombobulated or whatever tonight it's because there's so much here but amen the Holy Spirit's helping us and I, I just need to get a little more uh, relaxed I guess and just let him let the flow here all right Psalm 34 4 I love this verse right here I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears notice there's an s on the end plural all my fears not just my fear but all of my fears plural okay now um Praise God. Let me, um, and this is just the list that the Lord gave me. It, you know, I know that some folks have suggested other things, and that's fine. Um, if, if you've got a more exhaustive list, but this is how the Lord showed me this in 1998, right? And it's what I call five fears common to man. So remember, He delivered me not from my fear, singular, but fears, plural, right? So, five fears common to man, meaning fears that we are always, uh, you know, um, subject to. There's the enemies trying to use against us. We need to be aware of these things and know how to stand against them, right? The first one is fear of lack. Fear of lack. And fear of lack is, again, believing something right fear of lack means that we believe we're not going to have enough fear of lack you know this is why people don't pay their tithes this is why people don't give give generously even though they want to something their heart tells them they should um, but they're they're too afraid uh, to uh, to to pay their tithes give uh, you know to the Lord's work because they believe if they do they won't have enough for themselves right so obviously this belief leads to things like greed and selfishness and um, uh, taking things from other people uh, disrespecting other people uh, slinging elbows trying to get ahead of other people uh, because you want to make sure you get yours right um, we could go on and on about this again we say a fear of lack, but I'm trying to emphasize that the reason there is this fear is because of a belief somewhere. A belief somewhere. A belief of, you know, not enough. I know um, you see how powerful this is in, in people's lives. My, my dad, for instance, was raised during the Great Depression. Um, they literally, you know, didn't have much at all, you know, um, and, uh, and so that's, you know, responded with him, you know, he's hard work, he worked two jobs most of my life, you know, these kinds of things, um, you know, how those things affect us and influence us, all right? Um, so the next one, um, a fear of rejection, a fear of rejection. Now, we have different words for a lot of these, um, uh, 
one here, fear of rejection. Uh, insecurity has some roots uh, uh, here. Um, but, you know, it doesn't take a lot of explanation here. Um, you know, we're afraid we'll be told no. We're afraid that people will, will, will turn us away and, and, and these kinds of things. Um, so at this, at the heart of this fear has to do with the belief that, you know, we're not good enough, um, that uh, we're not lovable, people don't love us, you know, um, making sure you understand what I'm saying here. How about, uh, how about this? Um, fear of rejection at the heart of what consistently ranks as the number one fear uh, that people uh, express when surveyed or polled, and that's a fear of public speaking. A fear of public speaking. Amen or oh me? Fear of getting up in front of people and speaking. Well, why, why are people afraid to get up in front of people and speak? Again, fear of being rejected. A fear of being rejected. All right? Now, let's keep going here. Um, fear of failure. Fear of failure. Um, fear of failure has stolen so many dreams and so much potential because fear of failure says, you know, I believe if I try it, I'll, 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 I'll fail. I believe if I, if I go after that, it's not going to work out for me. And so what happens then more times than not when people have a fear of failure? They don't even try. They don't even get in the game. They don't even, uh, you know, take their gifts um, and notice, again, these, these can compound upon, you know, let's say, uh, um, you know, you're, you're afraid that uh, if you try something, um, you'll fail because people will reject you. All right? You, you, you see what I'm saying? So these things can be related as well. All right? The next one is a fear of the unknown. Fear of the unknown. That fear paralyzes a lot of people. And it keeps a lot of people from pressing forward into the life that Father God has for them. But because they feel more in control of what they know, we wind up settling for an inferior life instead of stepping out in faith and reaching to lay hold of a better life in the unknown of, um, of what lies ahead of us. Fear of the unknown. So, obviously, this one fits into uh, a lot of the worry. You know, what might happen, what could happen. I can't let you do that, because if you do that, this could happen. Or if you go there, you know, blah, blah, blah. Okay, And it, so a lot of folks uh, struggle in life with just, you know, afraid of, 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 of what's next, afraid of, of the unknown. And so it keeps them um, basically, you know, log jammed in life uh, with, you know, out taking, you know, remember, we got, we got to move forward. Amen. And we move forward ultimately by faith. And then, so five fears will complete the list with just the fear of death. Okay? The fear of death. Now, um, so we, um, amen, so if you think of this as like a hand, 
Okay? Um, with the four fingers being lack, rejection, failure, and the unknown. But then think of the thumb as the fear of death. And then that fear being a grip, right? And what I'm, I guess, ultimately wanting you to see is that at the root of all of these is the fear of death. For instance, if we don't have enough, we'll die. How about fear of rejection? You know there are people that use this expression. Have you ever heard um, you know, people getting up in front of somebody to speak and they say, look, you know, it, they're not going to kill you, and if they kill you, they're not going to eat you. Anybody ever heard that? Get up in front of people to speak. So notice the idea is that you, know, you could literally die from getting up in front of people, um, but uh, even if you do, obviously, you know, it's all tied back into the, um, the fear of death, okay? Yes, you with me so far? I'm almost exhausted just from trying to get all that uh, out and in front of you, amen. Um, so uh, our sister uh, Betty said, you know, if we know Jesus, how can we fear death, right? And that's ultimately why, again, in Hebrews 2, we see that he destroyed him who had the fear of death. Um, and, and that's you know, him delivering us from all of our fears, plural, uh, extremely important. Um, but the key one is that fear of death. Once the grip on the hand of, of fear, <laughs> once that fear of death, the thumb, right now, that grip is, is, is a lot looser on our lives and a lot easier for us to overcome. Amen? You still with me? All right, let's move on then. I think we're going to be able to make our target tonight. Uh, so man is a, is a being with the ability to think, reason, and form opinions. The ability to agree. The ability to believe. Amen? And then the ability to experience and express emotions. Wow. Now, let me... Um, let me do this, and I'm, I'm just going to try to go through some of what the Bible says about our emotions, okay? Um, our thoughts, for example, have tremendous influence on our emotions. What we think about more than any other factor influences our emotions. Okay. We also see that what we think about influences what we believe. I've heard it said this way, worry is nothing more than meditating on the wrong things. Okay. So we experience, we have this ability because we're created by God to experience and express Emotions. God is an emotional being. Okay? God is an emotional being. Let me, if I may, just, I'm going to run through some verses real quick. Why don't you just write them down instead of trying to turn to all of these. The first one is in Exodus 34 and 14. It says, For you shall worship no other God for the Lord whose name is Jealous. 
is a jealous God. Okay. James chapter 4, verse 4, adulterers and adulteresses, adulteresses, <laughs> you say adulteresses, amen. You got it, amen, you can read it right there on the screen. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God, or do you think that the Scripture says in vain, the Spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously? Amen. Now, what am I trying to get you to see? I'm trying to get you to see that it affects Father emotionally when we give our hearts to things that aren't worthy of it, to people who aren't worthy of it especially affects him when we put other people and other things ahead of him. Wow. Wow. All right? Now, how about this one here? For the wrath of God, Romans 1 and 18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Again, this is Romans 1 and 18. And this wrath of God, um, like so many words... In our English New Testament, we have um, different words with different meanings in the original language that are translated into a singular word in the English. So, for instance, there's more than one word for wrath in the Greek uh, writings, the original language of, uh, in, of the New Testament. Um, and, and one has to do like with, with an you know, outburst of of anger and, and, um, uh, and judgment, these kinds of things. This one here is a different word, all right? And I want this to, to, to touch you the way I believe the Holy Spirit wants it to touch you, okay? When he says the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness, this word wrath is speaking of an emotion that would be described as a combination of desire with grief. Desire with grief. Desire with, with grief. We, we may say it this way, disappointment. Disappointment. And what is he saying here? He's saying that Father has such high hopes for us. He has such high aspirations for us. He has such lofty goals for us, right? And here when it says the wrath of God, he's talking about this great desire that God has for you coupled with the grief that he grief is like what? We grieve when we've lost something. We grieve over over someone that's 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 lost or 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 has passed way too soon and these kinds of things, right? So who would have thunk it, right? But yet we see that God grieves. We even see that we can grieve the Holy Spirit. Let's go back to it. You have two eyes, one nose, one mouth, two ears, because God has two eyes, one nose, one mouth, two ears. Okay? Why do you have the ability to be jealous? Because God had the ability to be jealous before He ever created you and me. Why do we have the ability to be disappointed? Why do we have the ability to grieve over a loss? Again, we have this, this whole spectrum of emotions because we see these emotions exist in God. They existed in Him first. You've been created the image and likeness of God. Therefore, you have this characteristic, this ability, this attribute by virtue of being created to look like He looks and to function the way He functions. Okay? Now, as is the case with each one of these, the enemy is trying to use 
you know, let's use, let, desire with grief, disappointment. Do you realize how many people are living in a state of depression that's almost destroying their lives? Again, what is this? It's desire with grief out of control. The enemy is just using that against them. And they seemingly think they have no control over it. All right, but again, we're going to see that we do. How about this one? Ephesians 4, 26 and 27. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Alright? So, do you realize what the Bible is saying right here? The Bible is telling you to be angry. See, we're so confused about these things, we think it's wrong to get angry. My friend, God gets angry and He's not wrong. God gets angry and there's no darkness in Him at all. Only light. Amen. Anger was never meant to be a destructive emotion. It was never meant to be something that ruins people's lives. Anger, again, we have the capacity to experience it and express it because we were created in the image and likeness of a God who has the ability to get angry. He gets angry. He created you like Him to function the way He functions. So you have the ability to experience and express anger. It's just we don't understand these things because we don't understand it. The devil takes advantage of it. And next thing you know, we're losing our temper and blaming all kinds of, you know, everything from how we were raised to our grandpappies to, um, you know, I'm Irish or you know, whatever, you know. Again, we don't understand these things. Notice that the, the instructions are be angry. You realize there are some things that we should get angry about. I'll, be, I'll just be honest with you, and I try not to get real political. I try not to ever be political. And so this isn't about Republicans and Democrats or anything. You just listen to me though, please. There are people in some of the highest offices of our land that would rather burn this country to the ground than see me and you succeed. I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you. And it's evil. It's evil. It's evil to not recognize Israel. It's evil to not recognize Jerusalem. And woe unto the people who align themselves with the enemies of Israel. Read your Bible. A lot of what you're seeing in our government right now, it's not Republican and Democrat, it's darkness and light. Amen. I'm, just, I, you, I'm not saying anybody's name. I'm just saying... It's been a long time since I've watched a State of the Union address. When President Donald Trump announced that unemployment among African Americans in the United States of America is the lowest ever recorded in history, and half the people in that room sat on their hands and didn't applaud for that. I, I'm like, what? You, you can't get excited about a whole section of our country that was enslaved and marginalized and abused 
and, and mistreated and now they're beginning to prosper like never before and you can't get excited about that? Man, I'm something. Okay, so let me... Okay? Here's the thing though. We should be angry about that. We should be angry at injustice. We should be angry at, at so-called uh, leaders in our, in our government that say it's okay for a baby to be partially birthed and somebody snip its brain stem. We, that should make you angry. If it doesn't make you angry, I'm praying for you tonight. It should make you angry. Yes, my brother. Yes, sir. That's it. That's it. So, again, I'm getting stirred up here. I need to settle down because, again, I'm, I am to be angry, but to be angry and not sin. Right? Not, not uh, you know, go shoot somebody, blow somebody up. You know, and again, I know, I know there are people that are doing that, right? You know, obviously. But we have the ability to get stirred up about things because we should be stirred up about things. Jesus said his, the generation that was live on planet earth when he was here, he said, who shall I compare this generation to? We played the flute for you and you refused to dance. We had a time of national mourning and you refused to cry. Nothing moved them. They didn't get excited about anything. They didn't get sad about anything. My friend, that, that is not how God created you and me to live our lives. But it's almost like back to that fear thing. Some of us are, are, are afraid of our emotions. We're afraid to experience and express emotions because, again, ignorance, we've given place to the devil in these things. You know, we've been angry about stuff before. Next thing you know, we've you know, wound up with charges. You know, we wound up with handcuffs, right? All right. So, be angry, do not sin, do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. So let me, real quick, like, I'm not going to give you all these Greek words, but he's basically, in this, he's talking about three different uh, uh, types of anger that we see in the Scriptures. And he's telling us how we need to understand these. Be angry is talking about like a righteous indignation to where when there are injustices. Remember, we looked at this, you know, where he, he asked, you know, how long are you just going to sit back while the poor and needy are being abused and, and neglected and, and, and do nothing, Right? So this anger is a righteous indignation where you know, we are motivated and, and spurred on to action uh, because of these things. Do not sin is, um, that one I think is thumos. Again, you know, no, no test on this, but the idea behind thumos is a violent outburst of anger. Right. So when he says be angry, have righteous indignation, but don't let it boil over to a... Um, a violent outburst, right? But then there's this next one. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, okay? This wrath is a, is a, is a different wrath than the one we looked at before. This has to do with a, um, uh, like a seething, um, a stewing, 
You understand that kind of anger where you, you just kind of sit there and, and in your mind, you know, somebody's wronged you and you rehearse it and rehearse it and rehearse it and rehearse it. And I, you can't believe I'm going to next time see them get a piece of my mind. This is what he, I understand a lot of people say, and it's good, it's good practice, you know, it's good practice to, you know, if you've had a, a little argument with your spouse, to not go to bed angry. In other words, make up and apologize and all that. Okay, it's good practice. Don't misunderstand me. But that's not exactly what he's saying here. He's talking about continuing to let something eat away at you, right? Because that also is going to lead to that violent outburst uh, when you least expect it and those that you release it on least expect it. So how many times have we had that going on about some situation and then the outburst came against people that loved us and, and didn't, you know, we, sometimes we take it out on the ones that we love the most. Yes, Sister Doug. funny you say that because the Holy Spirit has led me to talk for like maybe one class on it and we've been what guys five classes now at the foundry on that subject in the morning sister uh, things are better when we pray and they're not when we don't and and you know that's again the the amen I don't know the answer to that question but I'm certainly I'm certainly giving it my best to try to help people see and understand the importance of it sister and and leading the way. Listen, we, you know, I see people get really motivated to pray in January. It's okay to pray in February. We need, we need to pray in, in March and April and May as well. Amen? Yes, sister. Amen. See now, this, see this is this is emotions, right? Now I done stirred her up. Now she's starting to stir me up. Now I'm fixing to say some stuff I don't need to say up in the house. Amen. Uh, I believe you, sister. I believe you. Amen. 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 I, let let me if I could just if I could say this, right? And I'm by no means. If you misquote me again, it's being recorded right now. So, I am by no means comparing these things. As some have said that 
that our current president is like Hitler, okay? Not, I'm not comparing those in our government who are in opposition to every good thing that our government's trying to do to help people and make this country a better place for all of us and for the world, okay? But what, one of the things that allowed Hitler to progress to the point that he progressed to is that so many people thought that he could be reasoned with. So many people thought that if we could just sit him down and explain to him, you know, how he's confused here, and if he would just change this and all these other things. And by the time that most of the world realized, and I'm, and I'm going to use this expression, right, that he would rather burn the whole world to the ground. You see what I'm saying? And so that's the thing when I talk about being angry. That was part of what I realized the other night is, you know, you have differences of opinions. I'm sure we've got differences of political opinions in this room, okay? And that's why I'm not calling names, all right? And, and you know, different persuasions. And, and, and again, that's, our country is, is, is built upon that, all right? But what I'm talking about now has nothing to do with political party. It, it has to do with a selfishness and an, and a, and an attitude that, um, that says, I, my power... And, and, and my wealth is being threatened and I don't care who I have to hurt or offend or marginalize or keep beat down to keep my power, I'm, I'm going to do that. And, and, and yeah, that, I don't care who it is. Matter, It's very, it's very sad. It's very, it's very sad. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. And pray for them. Absolutely. 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 And I, and I guess, you know, because again, we all have our biases and I, and I have mine. And so this is why I rarely if ever comment on these things. And to be honest with you, I can't believe I'm doing it right now. Um, but again, I'm, I'm saying in the context of this right here, okay, but in the part of the country that, 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 that I live in uh, and the families that we know, for instance, that are coal miners, right? And, and, and for people to say that, that they're not, their service and what they do is, is, is no longer needed, is no longer valued, is no longer important, and we're going to take your jobs and your ability to make a living for your family away from you. See, man, I'm just like, hold on a second, dude, you know? Because last time I checked, those folks in Washington work for us. They're supposed to be working for us. They're supposed to, right? You see what I'm saying? And so when you see people 
who are only there for themselves, right? Again, we should be stirred up about it, but again, we should not sin. And that's where I think, sister, like what you're saying, the judgment, because we don't, you know, we don't know and, and all these other things, but certainly pray. So, amen. If I said, am I all right? Everybody good? Okay. I'm okay with you, Pam, because she's the one I'm sleeping with tonight. All right, yeah, okay. All right. Amen. Pray for our country. Pray for our country. Somebody, somebody asked me this, well, Pastor Mark, how, how do you know, how do you make, because it's very easy to see positives and negatives, right? How, how, how do you decide on what candidate? Obviously, we pray. We pray in the Spirit. We're led by the Spirit. But there's also some, some you know, being led by the Word of God, right? Uh, first of all, if, if a candidate is for uh, killing babies before they're born, or now we've even got the extreme of uh, the... the uh, uh, Gag, have you say it? I don't know if you heard what he said le- recently. He is even in support of, it's not abortion once the baby's born, it's infanticide. He said that he trusts the mother to make the right decision if the baby needs to die after it's born. He's okay. See, again, now I can't, I, I can't support that man. Right? Anybody that's opposed to Israel will not get my vote. You see what I'm saying? So th- th- there's obviously some... You say, well, Pastor Mark, those are just things that are important to you. The sanctity of life? My Father's chosen people? <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Hey, amen. I don't... So... Yes. Amen. 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 That's right. I'm I'm gonna say I'm gonna say one last thing here. And again, I'm just trying to maybe you've never thought of it this way. All right. Satan hates this country. Okay? We, we are a... All of our faults and errors and mistakes that we've made in the past, the bottom line of it though is we still are a beacon of light and freedom for this world. Alright? But here's the other reason why he hates this country. Are you ready? Eight out of every ten dollars that go to spreading the gospel of the kingdom of my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ comes from this country. 
Eight out of every ten dollars that goes towards evangelizing the world comes from the United States of America. So if you're the enemy, you want to destroy the economy of this nation to cut off that financial flow. So I, I believe, again, more than anything else, that's what we're talking about here. But let's keep moving. Are you good? Come on, sister, say it. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. We have. Yes, ma'am. Stand up. Yes, ma'am. Thank you, sister. Thank you. It means a lot to me. Amen. 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 Some of you may have read the book, but Brother Hagen had a vision, and in that vision, um, forget the number of frogs, somebody help me, but the frogs came out of the Atlantic Ocean, hopped across the United States of America, and, and landed in the Pacific Ocean. And I forget what those three frogs, I think it was three frogs. If I'm butchering this, forgive me. I do know this one. And that was everything that happened during the Nixon era and that, and that whole debacle in our country and the divisiveness of that. And the Lord told, are you ready for this? The Lord told Brother Hagen, he said, I am holding my church responsible for what happened in this country. And Brother Hagen's like, hold on a second, God. I ain't got nothing to do with Watergate. I ain't got nothing to do with He goes, nope. My church is responsible because had my church come together and prayed, this would not have happened, right? So again, sister, you're, you're on it right there. It's very easy for us to blame the government, blame the Republicans, blame the Democrats, blame the immigrants, blame the this, blame... But it really comes back to, you know, the church because we're, we're the ones that are supposed to be taking our rightful place. Yes, ma'am. Come on, sister, cry loud. Cry loud. All right, John chapter 15. Let's try to land this plane tonight. These things I've spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. Okay? These things I've spoken to you that my joy may remain in you, that your joy may be full. There's another verse that, um, praise God, that is related to that, but in, in that one it says uh, the peace of God. Okay? So now notice um, Jesus is speaking... And, all right, so let's step back for just a moment, right? <clears throat> words, words, it's been a while since we've covered this. Some of you weren't here when we did, okay? Words are containers. We put thoughts in the form of images in words, and we convey thoughts from one mind and heart to another mind and heart through this 
medium or this vehicle of words. In other words, I'm, I am speaking to you right now. You understand what I'm saying, but I'm using words to take what's in my mind, speak it audibly. You hear and understand those words, and now I have conveyed from my mind what's in my mind to you and what's in your mind. Are you with me? Okay. So, Jesus is the Word made flesh. Jesus is a living, breathing expression of the divine mind. If you want to know how Father God thinks and what He thinks about any situation that you can find Jesus in the middle of in the four Gospels, you can know the mind of God. In other words, He is um, a container expressing to us the, the thoughts of God. So, now... If thoughts produce emotions, you with me? Do I need to, do I need to show you this? Let, let's just real quick like, thoughts produce emotions. Thoughts produce emotions. We can sit here and think about something sad. Notice now, you're talking about government and, and some of the things going on in our country right now, right? We all kind of got a little emotional about it, right? We kind of got stirred up about it, okay? And, and what concerns me is that some of you got offended by it, and I don't want you to be offended, right? But again, there's the potential for offense when you talk about these kinds of things. Okay, So notice though, if we shift our thoughts, and that's kind of hard to do just on a dime, but we're going to shift our thoughts right, uh, to something joyful and something happy and something beautiful, right? it's going to lift our emotions, it's going to lift our mood. If we shift our thoughts back to and focus on something sad and, 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 and some tragedy or some loss or, or some sense of uh, you know, disappointment, uh, some, you know, again, it's, it's our, our emotions are going to go with that. That's why, even like when we talk about anger, know this please, anger is a powerful anesthetic. People self-medicate with anger. Anger releases neurochemicals into your body that have a numbing effect on you. You can be so angry at another person that they can hit you in the side of the head with something and you not feel it in the moment. Okay? And what children do, what children do, when they're in situations, let me just give a hypothetical situation, okay? Johnny's seven years old and his stepdaddy's beating his mama downstairs. And he wants to do something about it, but he don't know what to do about it. He feels trapped, he feels powerless, he feels helpless. And so he sits there in his, in his room and he seeds. I got the wrong verse up here. He, that seething anger. He sits there and, man, one of these days I'm going to... Because what is that anger making him do? It's making him feel powerful. It's making him feel in control. It's releasing neurochemicals into his body that are, that are causing, creating a numbing effect to the pain that he's experiencing and the helplessness that he's experiencing in that moment. We have a large portion of a generation in our country that have become anger addicts that literally medicate themselves with anger. And they don't even really understand what it's all about and, 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 and why this is the case. And, and again, I'm just trying to show you, those of you, somebody in here listening online, watching online, or listening in this room right now, you, you, it's, it's becoming a, a, an awakening moment for you. Because there are things... That, you know, in, 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 in moments that you're feeling, you know, helpless, you're feeling out of control, there are things that you go to in your mind, things that you think about, 
that you that you ruminate on, you 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 rehearse, you replay it, you'll even mutter it sometimes to yourself, and people are like, dude, who are you talking to, right? And and again, it's 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 creating and releasing that anger inside of you. So when I say you know thoughts are what produce the emotions, people people again, uh, and it's kind of funny because they make um, they're making the point for me. They get angry with me for saying that. Because they don't think it's true. They don't believe that's the way it is. But that's exactly the way it is. So, think about what Jesus is saying now. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you. He's taking thoughts that originated in the mind of God and He's conveying them to His disciples using the vehicle of words. He's taking a thought that originated in the mind of God and He's using words to put that thought into the minds of those who are present. And notice, if they can think thoughts that originated in the mind of God, they can experience the emotions of God sitting there in front of Jesus. He said, I'm telling you these things not so you can have joy, but so that my joy may remain in you and that will cause your joy to overflow from within you. See, if you can have the thoughts that originated in the mind of God working in your mind, they will produce the peace of God in your heart. So, how we think, again, produces the emotions. Right? Praise God. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12. He says, you are not restricted by us, but you are restricted by your own affections. By your own affections. Okay, what are affections? Affections are desires that affect you emotionally. Right? It's one thing to want something. It's another thing to want something. Right? In other words, the idea here is we, you know, we may have a desire and this and that, but an affection is something, it's like Sister Pam was talking about a moment ago, it's not just that, that we want to see it, but that these things, we're passionate about these things. You know, we're passionate about in God we trust. We're passionate about one nation under God. We're passionate about having a, a, a government that's, that's uh, not dysfunctional. That's a government by and for the people. Are you know what I'm saying? Pa- just as it pertains to politics. Passionate about your, your children uh, knowing God and serving. Just on and on. We could go on and on with this, right? So he says, you are not restricted by us, but you are restricted by your own affections. What is he saying? He's saying God's not holding you back. We're not holding you back. It's your own affections that are holding you back. It's the things that you desire that move you emotionally that are keeping you locked down into uh, this place in life that you can't seem to break free from. Right? Remember, Remember, who decides what you treasure? Jesus said that Whatever you treasure, that's where your heart will be. Right? So again, heart is speaking of this, this emotional part of us, this, this passionate part of us. And Jesus said, wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be. Okay? The thing that we don't often consider when we look at that verse is that we decide what we treasure. You decide what you value. You decide what's important to you. And if you'll take the the right things and the good things that God has set before you and treasure those things, choose to value those things, choose to make those things a priority in your life, even if your heart is not in those things right now, even if you're not uh, moved by those and passionate about those things right now, if you will consistently make those things a priority in your life, you will become connected to them and passionate about them. 
See, one of the reasons people aren't more passionate about church attendance is they don't treasure it. It's not a value to them. It's not a priority in their lives. And they're like, well, look, you know, we really like to go, but my heart's just not in it. Your heart will never be in it until you treasure it, until you value it, until you make it a priority in your life that is a, what I call a non-negotiable. And if, you, you know, worship, you know, it's like, well, I just really see what people get in this whole worship stuff, man. What's the big deal? Again, you haven't valued it. You haven't made it a priority. You say, well, my heart's not in it, Pastor Mark. Your heart never will be in it until you treasure it, until you choose to make it a priority. So see, the thing, and I'm going to close with this because I'm already out of time, all right? The thing that you need to understand is that you are not a victim of your emotions. God did not create you to be ruled by emotions. He created you to be served by emotions. But so many people think that they have no control whatsoever over their emotions. They, they, the devil has lied to them, and after all, that's what it seems like and looks like and feels like. And, and it just we're, we're kind of at the, at the mercy of, of whatever emotional wind is blowing through our lives at the time. And that is wrong. That is a lie from the pits of hell. Nothing can be further from the truth. You are created with the ability to experience and express emotions because your Creator experiences and expresses emotions. He does not lose His temper. He does not experience depression, although He does get sad. Right? He, he gets jealous. But He doesn't sin. We could say this, be jealous and sin not. And what is He talking about there? Man, I'm jealous over my time with the Lord. I, 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 don't, I don't want things to interfere with that. You understand what I'm saying? In other words, there are certain things in our lives that, that, that should mean a lot to us and, and we protect them. And, and, but again, this idea that you know, she's, just, she's just such a jealous person. He's just such a jealous man. and you know, I don't know. His mama was jealous. I mean, you know, again, no. It's got nothing to do with it. You might have a mindset of jealousy, but again... It's, it's change the thinking if you want to change the emotions. Amen or oh me? Alright, for the record, we didn't get where I was hoping we'd get to, but that's, that's my fault. I got talking about politics. Amen? Hey, I love you. I believe in you. You know that, right? I see greatness in you. I see greatness in you. you, do, you do you realize what Jesus... Uh, was able to accomplish with just 12 uh, folks like us, you know, that were willing to, to listen to Him and, and, and do what He said no matter what. Amen? <laughs> Praise God. I mean, amen. So if He could do that with just that small group of folks, the Bible says they turned the world upside down. How much more? Amen. How much more? Well, Father, You're good to us. We love You. Father, thank You for taking the things that have been spoken in this room tonight and given us the ability to receive them with the right spirit, the right heart. Lord, I thank You uh, for our country. Pray for all of our leaders, the entire House of Representatives, the entire Senate, Father, the, the Supreme Court, all the justices, Chief Justice, our President, His Cabinet. Father, our military leaders, our Defense Department, Lord, our Homeland Security people. Lord, thank You for what they're trying to do to keep us safe. Lord, we, we know Your Word says that unless you, uh, you know, guard the city, those who labor to guard it labor in vain. So Father, it doesn't mean we shouldn't try, but it also means we shouldn't put our efforts ahead of Your 
divine protection over this nation, Lord. I thank You, Father, that Your judgment and, and Your hand of judgment has been, uh, Lord, stayed against uh, so many, Lord, because You're such a merciful God. But Father, we desire revival, not judgment. Lord, we, we desire um, for there to be a breakthrough uh, spiritually, Father, instead of uh, judgment and, and um, tragedy, Father. And so Lord, I thank You tonight that we uh, humble ourselves and pray before You, asking You, Lord, to heal our land. Because Father, our, our land has, has been sickened. And Father, You love this country because this country was based upon a group of people who chose You. Israel is a group of people, a nation of people that You chose. America, Father, is a nation of people that exist initially because we chose You. And I thank You, Father, that Your blessing is upon this country. I thank You, Father, that Your prosperity is upon this country. Not just so that we can all be wealthy and well-off, but Father, You've given us the ability to get wealth so that Your covenant might be established in all the earth. Thank You, Father, for the beacon of light and life and freedom that this nation is. Thank You for the, the many men and women of God who live in this country who haven't bowed their knee to greed and idolatry and hatred and division, Father, but Lord, have bowed their knee to You and humbled their hearts before You. Father, that give selflessly, sacrificially, serving You in their communities and their local churches, Father, giving of their time and talent and treasure, Father, to see this Gospel of the Kingdom, Father, preached not just to the four corners of this nation, but to the four corners of this earth, Father. And so, Lord, I thank You for what You're doing and right here in this group in Hueytown, Alabama, Father. Lord, I thank You for the men and women in this room. And Lord, for the destiny that You have for each one of us. And Father, we're not here by accident or coincidence tonight, but Lord, we're here by divine providence for such a time as this. And Lord, in the same way that David said so many years ago when he went to face the, the, the giant, Father, we say it, Lord, along with him, is there not a cause? Is there not a, a, a reason? Is there not a need? Is there not a destiny? Is there not a purpose, Lord? Is there not a gospel to preach? Father, is there, is there, are there not people that need to be delivered? and healed and set free. And so, Father, we humbly again say, like the mighty men and women of old, here we are, send us. Father, here we are. Help us do what You've called and created us to do. Father, I speak life and blessing over the men and women in this room. I speak wisdom and revelation over the men and women in this room. Father, I thank You tonight that Your Holy Spirit is stirring up things that are deep inside of us, Father. Lord, there are people in this room, You planted things in them at a very young age. And those things, Lord, have grown cold and dormant. And, and, and Lord, some of them have even been forgotten. But Lord, I thank You tonight that by the power of Your Holy Spirit, You're stirring up things, Father, deep inside of us, Lord. Things that we don't even remember, yet Lord, all of a sudden, it's, it's coming back to us. Things that You said to us, Lord, when we were very young. Dreams and, and, and goals and aspirations that we had. Things we wanted to do for You. Things we saw ourselves doing for You, Father. But somehow, as life happened and we, we went our own way, Lord, we lost sight of those things. I thank You, Lord, that You're bringing them back with clarity. Lord, with, with purpose, Father. And You're helping us see. Lord, as, as we commit ourselves to hearing from You and seeing You, Lord, this, this simple action of coming to a class... Father, and enduring to the end, Lord, is saying so much more to You about our faithfulness in the small things. And Lord, our ability to be trusted with bigger things. And so thank You, Father, for what You have prepared. I believe, Lord,
that only eternity will tell what you're going to accomplish through the lives of these men and women in the future and for eternity. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. And amen. And amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.